Six years after the U.S. men's national team lifted the Gold Cup trophy, they're back in the Windy City to do it again against Panama. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. From San Diego, Ivis Galarcep will be in Chicago once the game starts, but back after a busy day. How you doing today, man? I am dead. I just want everyone to know that I am on my deathbed right now. Oh, I want I everyone just... to know I'm rested, man. I'm, I'm in chilling in San Diego, <laughs> having a good time out here. Uh, just, uh, just to bring it down real quick, uh, this weekend is my oldest son's birthday, his 10th birthday. So we asked him where he wanted to go, and he decided, do you want to go to Hershey Park, which is about a two-and-a-half-hour drive? You know, we'd never actually been. So we went, uh, and we went last night, and today was the day we spent about, I don't know, 12 hours there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're a kid, you love going to, like, you know, the amusement park, you, oh, know, yeah. you know, spending all day. It's heaven, you know. When you're older, when you're the adult, like when you got to do all the adult stuff, it can be a bit of a grind. So after all that, and then after the two-and-a-half-hour drive back, I am... I am. I don't know how I'm alive right now. I gotta tell you. Well, you better enjoy it, cause like, what's gonna happen, Ivis? Is your kids are gonna get a little older, and they're not gonna want to hang out with you at the amusement park anymore. <laughs> they're gonna look at you and say, "You guys are too slow. See ya." So you're not gonna be able to hang out with them. You better enjoy it for as long as you can. Listen, the day they can hang out at the amusement park on their <laughs> own, I will be more than happy to have that day come. Let me tell you. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man. You know, the, I'll be in a few hours, a few short hours. I will be hopping a plane. To Chicago for the uh, the Gold Cup final, and it's uh, I tell you what, man, it's gonna be sh- shaping up to be a pretty good game. I know the U.S. is, is the favorite, uh, and they, as they should be, but Panama, man, I, I've been saying it since the beginning of the tournament. They're a team that can win it, and if the U.S. doesn't have a good day, Panama can absolutely take the title. Well, let's go. Let's get into this game, Ivis. Like you said, USA taking on Panama in the Windy City. Last time the, these two teams faced each other in the Gold Cup final was in 2005. Like I said, um, when USA defeated Panama on penalties three to one. Going into this game, you've said it over the last couple shows. You've been saying it for the, the entire Gold Cup that this Panama team next to the U.S. is probably the most is the second strongest team. Uh, out of all the teams that are that are in this present Gold Cup roster-wise with players that are on it, going into this game for the U.S., what are going to be the keys against Panama for the U.S. to win this game? Well, I think if they want to control, uh, you know, uh, the U.S. has made a habit this tournament of really con- taking control of games, uh, winning the battle in midfield. And, and when they can control the tempo in the middle, and dictate the tempo. Uh, it just makes it so tough for opponents to really get a foothold on the game. And, uh, you know, when you think about the teams that they've played, I mean, Costa Rica, let's face it, they bunkered in. Uh, they tried to do a little, a little, a little pressuring from the wings and, and using some of their speed to counter, but they weren't much of a threat. Mm-hmm. El Salvador is probably the only team that you could honestly say uh, created some really good chances and really took it to the U.S., uh, especially out of the midfield. Like they, they, I thought they mid- midfield did well, but the U.S. has done a really good job of, of just controlling the middle, uh, dominating play, uh, and not just centrally, but also even out wide, where you have had the likes of Joe Corona, Jose Torres, uh, and then most recently Alejandro Bedoya, uh, just really outworked the competition there. And uh, with this Panama team, what you have with this Panama team is a team that's, you know, from a talent standpoint, okay, maybe they're not they're not as talented as the U.S., but their strengths and the way they approach the game is somewhat similar, you know, in the sense that they they've got some they've got some good center backs, 
Uh, the central midfield tries to definitely tries to, to shield that, that that defense. Their fullbacks love to get forward. And the one thing that they have, the one thing that Panama has that no other opponent in this tournament, this U.S. tournament, uh, this Gold Cup tournament has had against the U.S. is a pair of truly dangerous forwards. And, you know, Blas Perez and Gabriel Torres are, they're both capable forwards. And you give them an inch, you give them space, you mess up, they will absolutely burn you. And that's why this is such an intriguing challenge because, listen, none of these other teams, I know Costa Rica, you can make the argument, listen, Alvaro Sabrio, Jairo Ariela, you know, they had guys, right? But against the U.S., you know, Sabrio didn't start. So, you know, it was a little different. This this Panama team, because of those forwards, uh, you know, to use a little boxing analogy, they absolutely have a puncher's chance of taking this game. It, when you look back at Panama's games against Mexico, because, you know, you could maybe say Mexico is the third strongest team in here. You know, Panama isn't really a possession-based team. I mean, in the first game against pa- Mexico that they beat, they only had 30, 30% of the possession. And the second game, Panama only had 40% of the possession. So it's not like the Panama is going to build up against the U.S. However, though, like you said, I mean, they counter very well and almost any player can counter, which that's going to put some pressure on the U.S. defense and also the play on the wingers. Going into this game, are we going to see Bedoya playing in this game or is this game better suited for the likes of Joe Cronin and Jose Torres who aren't natural wingers? They play a little more inside. Is this is this a type of game that's going to be better suited to maybe control more of the middle to take pressure off guys like Parkhurst who has turned the ball over Quite frequently, maybe not frequently, but 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 you know, little enough to raise an eyebrow. Is that something that we'll see in this game? And that's going to be a big question. You know, that's one of the. I mean, there's a list of, of lineup questions, lineup decisions that Clinton was going to have to make, and, and that's an interesting one because especially Bedoya looked so good. You know, he looked good against Honduras, and uh, you know he can give you such good effort uh, defensively to go along with the offensive contributions. He's a true two way player. Where he can get a bit lost, I think, you know, when, when he's had some kind of anonymous games and, and not so great games is, you know, if, if he's not contributing offensively, he can look like a pretty mediocre player. Because, you know, let's face it, you know, if it's just if you're just hustling and you're not that effectively and not that effective in possession, you know, you're going to you're going to stick out like a sore thumb, like someone who maybe shouldn't be on the field. But to his credit, he took full up full advantage of that Honduras game uh, in the semifinal to just play a great game and, I mean, arguably his best national team mm-hmm. game ever. Uh, so, you know, it, all that being said, I just think if you're a Clinton, you go with Torres Corona, uh, from a possession standpoint, when you can trot out Torres Corona, Beckerman, and Holden, uh, along with Landon Donovan, I mean, that group should absolutely be able to control the middle. And, you know, but look, Panama, they, they're no pushover. But, uh, I mean... I don't think uh, Gabriel Gomez and and Godoy in the in the central midfield is going to. They're I don't know if they're going to be enough to to really deal with that. And and when and with that being the case, then you're going to need your fullbacks to help out. You need your fullbacks uh, to be a little more honest to, to to get back and defend. And I think that's the key. If you're the U.S., you you know that their fullbacks are key. Uh, not only to their attack but to their counterattack. And and you know they definitely can offer a good amount of service, and you need to deal with those guys. You need to deal with their wings. You neutralize your wings, you're going you're gonna to beat them because 
they're not they're just their central midfield just isn't going to produce much as far as attacking wise. Mm. So you need you need to sh- if you shut down the wings, you will beat Panama, and that, and it's pretty simple. So uh, it's easier a little easier said than done, but that's the challenge. You know, that's the challenge for the guys like Beasley, Parkhurst, Corona. And, and Torres, assuming those are the f- uh, four guys that are, are, are deployed on the wings. Uh, and I'd say I like their chances. I like their chances because I think, you know, for all of Parker's, for whatever you want to say about Parker's, in this tournament, he's been pretty good defensively. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? I know maybe against El Salvador he had a few uh, hiccups here and there, but I think he's been pretty solid defensively, and I think Beasley's been solid defensively in this tournament. So I think for them, the challenges that they're going to face from Panama, Panama's wingers, you know what, they're, they're quick. Uh, they're aggressive, but are they great? Are they top class? Are, are, we're not talking Brian Ruiz here. We're talking about you know uh, Sanchez, Marco Sanchez, who was cut by DC United. I mean, let, I mean, come on, right? I mean, how good can he be? He got cut by DC United. He couldn't make an impact. Stop there. it! Stop it! Every, just, every DC United fan, right? I I mean, how, good, how, good, how good are you, right? Uh, I, I will say Quintero, the other winger. I mean, he's dangerous. He's like, electric. He's someone, what's that? He's electric, man. He, that guy will give you problems. And that's, that's the question that I had. You know, we, I, I did my preview on SBI, uh, my, my more in-depth look at that, at, at the, the game. And he's a guy that, that, you know, if you're Panama, I think you want to move him over to the left and have him go at Parkhurst. Because, you know, if you want to talk about Beasley versus Parkhurst, you know, Beasley's the quicker of the two. Quintero can, can cause problems for Parkhurst uh, just with just his, his movement, his quickness. So, that's going to be one to watch for sure. So I think that is a tough one. And I think, I tell you what, Clarence Goodson is a big key for this U.S. team mm-hmm. in, in this final because obviously, you know, Matt Beasler, he's the top center back. I mean, it's an important game for Matt Beasler too, but P- Beasler, I feel like he's proven himself a little more. Uh, you know, not that Goodson hasn't played his share of games, but when you, when you talk about, you know, who's trying to compete for a starting spot on the full squad, you know, if he starts, and I think he will, if if Goodson starts, he's going to end up. He's going to be faced up against a pretty good forward, one way or the other, whether it's Perez or whether it's Torres, and he is going to be absolutely key to us winning the game. Because if he has a bad game, uh, if he has trouble dealing with those guys, dealing with Perez or dealing with Torres, the U.S. the U.S. could find themselves in in, in a world of hurt. And you know what? I, I think the way they're playing as a team uh, will keep that from happening. Because I tell you what, Beckerman, the way he's playing. He's been outstanding. He's been a great kind of security blanket for the defense because he covers so much ground. He gives them an outlet. He helps break things up. Uh, so the U.S. should be fine. But, you know, the guys like Parkhurst and Goodson are are the guys that I think Panama is looking at and saying, if we're going to win this game, we got to go after those two. Well, I'm assuming going into this game, we won't see Goodson making as, as many runs forward. I mean, in the last couple of games, we've seen him playing balls. Over the top. I mean, the last game he had, he had two. He started the attack on two of the goals. So I'm guessing we won't see Goodson and Parker's maybe up the field as much in this game, which means probably Kyle Beckerman's going to play a six the, next to him. Are we going to see Stuart Holden or Mixed Discrewed in the game? And I'm assuming that whoever's paired next to Beckerman is also going to have maybe a little bit more of a defensive responsibility in this game, right? Right. I agree. I think it's going to be Holden. I, you know what? I'll say this about this group, right? I know there's some people out there. I know there's de- a decent number of people out there who really like him, right? And really have it's the hair. It's the hair. Been impressed. Yeah, I, whatever it is, you've had. There's people who've been impressed. Me personally, I haven't come away 
feeling like, oh man, this is guy. This guy's a real revelation. Like he's had his, he's had his his moments, and I think he's taking advantage of some 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 you know fortuitous circumstances for him. You know, coming into games uh, in the second half when the opponent's tired, uh, putting on a show against uh, you know weakened competition. So I'm not sold on him. On the other hand, Stuart Holden, I am sold on. I think Stuart Holden when he's healthy, you got to keep him out there. And I thought him. Uh, you know his last game out. He looked, you know, he he put in a lot of good work. So I think he's, I think you got to start him, right? And and I agree with your point that I think, uh, unlike Honduras, I think Panama because their attacks is Wait. their attack is a little more dangerous. Is uh, Stuart Holden is going to be more likely to play deeper than he did against Honduras because against Honduras, Honduras's midfield just laid an egg. Honduras's midfield just did not pose much of a threat, mm-hmm. and it allowed Holden to get forward as much as he wanted and. I don't think I think Panama. You got to be a little more honest, just because Perez and Torres are, are are so dangerous. They like to drop back, especially Perez. He likes to drop back, mm-hmm. uh, and then you have Quintero, who's going to be running all around all over the place. So, I think if you, I think if, if I'm Klinsman, I'm confident enough in in my other four guys. Uh, when you talk about uh, projecting it now, uh, Donovan, Eddie Johnson. Jose Torres, Joe Corona. I'm confident that those four guys can create chances. I, I, um, you know, so you know, you you want to kind of protect the defense a bit, uh, but you got to be careful because you, you at, at, ultimately you have to limit the space. You have to limit the space of Perez and Torres up top, and limit the space of the winger. So I think that's why Holden's going to be more defensive. This is uh, breaking news on the show. Ivis Galarsep actually agreed with me for the first time. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. I maybe know. Uh, yeah, that's uh, maybe yeah, maybe it's because maybe yeah maybe you're just really tired and you have really no idea what I'm saying. You're just gonna agree with me the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah, it's all a blur right now. <laughs> exactly. Um, but but going up top for, for the U.S. with Ed, uh, with Eddie Johnson and Landon Donovan again in the last game, the Panama Mexico. I think if anyone watched that, I mean, we saw Mexico playing a lot of balls in, and I mean Panama easily winning all of those. I, I think the U.S. in the air with Eddie Johnson poses a little bit more of a threat, but what should we see out of Eddie Johnson and Landon Donovan? I mean, are we going to see more of them kind of playing off each other, attacking space when they can, Donovan kind of being more of like a free rover in the middle to help out Taurus and Corona, depending on which side the U.S. attacks on? Well, I'd say this, right? I'm curious to see. Now, listen, if if Roberto Chen, uh, Panama center back, if he starts, right? I mean, he's a guy... Who you? If you're the U.S., you have to pencil, you have to circle him and say, "This guy, this is the guy you got to go after." Right? I mean, he's a teenager. He's he, he's talented. He's very talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to be to start. Uh, you know, in a, in a Gold Cup final. So if he does start, you know, you got to give him the credit. But at the same time, he hasn't uh, played in in the big matches that you know someone like Roman Torres has or Felipe Beloy, who's not there. He's with his club team, uh, which is a little unfortunate. No, you know, because I mean. Panama has been trying to win this tournament for how many how many uh, years now, and and here is a perfect opportunity for Beloit, and he's not taking it, and it's unfortunate, but you know sometimes you just got to deal with your club situations. Uh, but again, I, I, I digress. Chen is the weak link, right? And I think for me, I think Donovan, I think I think Roman Torres, their captain, the center back, stud center back that they have. I think he's going to, him and Eddie Johnson will be matched up. And then if you put Chen on Donovan, I mean, Donovan is so, he's such an intelligent player that he, I think he'll be able to have Chen on the string, making the runs that pull him out, uh, move him around. And, and I think he's going to find, uh, he's going to find room for himself. He's going to find room for himself to, 
that gets that get the chances he needs, and I think he's I think he's going to score at least one goal in this game. Okay, well that leads me to my next question. What's your prediction for this? Uh, I'm going to go. You know what? I'll say three one. I don't think it'll be a shutout. I think Blas Perez is good for a goal. You know, just because he, he he's Blas Perez, um, and you know he's he's had a success in, against the US in the past, but. I just think the U.S., you know, their midfield, I think their midfield will control things. I think Donovan will find success again because he's just so tough to deal with because not only is he mobile, right? He's mobile and he's quick, but his decision-making has gotten that much better than it even was, I don't know, a year or two ago. Uh, It's just he's become a little – I feel like like in certain ways he's become a more cerebral player. He's always been, you know, kind of – obviously he's the career leader and assist on the U.S. team, so – He's got to be a pretty good passer, and from that standpoint, but you know, I feel like he's gotten better. I feel like he's gotten uh, better just his all-around game, ability to read the game, and I think because of that, he's going to be able to look at what Panama is doing defensively. He's going to see where Jen, uh, I'm Jen, where, where Chen is positioned, mm-hmm. and take full advantage of it. You know, I think he's going to combine well with Torres and Holden and, and uh, Corona and Holden, and work in the triangles. Working with Johnson, and I think he's gonna. You know what? I think he's gonna have. An, you know, I don't think he'll have a monster day like uh, El Salvador or or even Honduras. But I think he's gonna he's gonna be the key. He's gonna be the the, the composer of the winning orchestra for that U.S. team. I, I will also go three to one, and I think it, it won't. I'll say this: it won't be as convincing against Honduras. And I'm sure some people are like, "Well, we also won three to one there against Honduras." When Jurgen subbed out uh, Beckerman and Landon Donovan, I think there was no question that the U.S. still dominated that game. I mean, obviously Donovan and, and probably Beckerman will not be subbed out of this game, but I see this one as a three-to-one victory. But the U.S. it won't be as convincing. I mean, it will feel like a victory at the end, but you know, you'll still feel like Panama could have that chance throughout the game. But I think, it, like you said, if the U.S. can play smart tactically, move the ball around well, keep winning possession back ASAP like they've been doing. I mean, we've been seeing that with the midfield. I mean, any time a player on the other team has the ball in the U.S. half, I mean, you see players attacking, attacking, attacking. It's amazing. I mean, I, I, one, I love it. It's great. Well, I'll tell you, it's when you mentioned that, right? Because, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like I put this up before, but maybe not. Uh, one of the things I find interesting, after the El Salvador game, uh-huh. Uh, you know, they, they romped in that game. They blew away. The 5-1, the 5-1 victory. Right. And I, I actually asked Quinsman, you know, I, said, I asked him, I said, you know, after a game like this, you're going to feel good as a coach, but what do you come away feeling like you need to work on or wasn't good enough or needs to get better? And one of the points he made was talking about recovery runs and about, you know, if you lose the ball, you need to get it back. You can't, oh, you can't put your head six- down. Cannot put your well, that or you can't have these half half-hearted sixty-five percent. To use Klinsman's words, sixty-five percent recovery runs, which is you know real real technical jargon for a lazy ass recovery run. You know, so uh, you know not to name any names, <coughs> this group, but you know there there were some players who were guilty of that, and I think from that standpoint, that's why for me, I think Stuart Holden gets the nod because he is someone. Who, he does not skimp on his runs. When you know, if someone turns the ball over, he he is gonna try to get. He's gonna do everything he can to to to, to hustle back. Uh, especially if he loses the ball, which you know, you know, I'm not saying Holden loses it much, but when he does lose it, he's gonna work to get it back. So, I think from that, that I think this group that you can put out there, uh, Beckerman, Holden, Corona, Torres. And then Donovan, like, think about that group, right? I mean, 
we already we know Corona and Torres aren't wingers, right? We know that they're not natural wingers, but they help them. They help this team be able to play a really good, some really good combination soccer, some really good passing soccer because you can work the triangles, you can make the runs off each other. And, and I feel like these last two games at El Salvador and Honduras, we have seen stretches where it's really worked. It's really clicked. It's really you, you've seen the movement and the passes come off. So. It's kind of like that's just kind of a glimpse into what it could be, and it's going to take a while to get to get all the way there. But I think I just think that you know if they can do that, if they can control the game um, in, in the, the middle and keep possession, yeah, they're, they're gonna they're gonna win this game. They're gonna frustrate Panama because well, here's the thing with Panama: Panama doesn't need a ton of time because basically what Panama does is well, it's, if it's, they get the ball, they're pumping it forward. They are pumping it forward to Perez. Uh, Torres or Quintero, they 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 want one of those guys to just turn, wreak havoc, look for guys making runs or take people on one on one. That's that's it. That's them in a nutshell, man. They're not trying to build from the back. They're not trying to knock it around. No, they get it. It's a fire drill. Well, they're trying. To, they got their their fullbacks uh, working up the up the flanks, uh, and it's effective. You know, it works for them, but. I think the U.S. has the the players to shut that down. Oh, no, you're right. I mean, look, it, it takes stats for what they are, especially in soccer, because I mean, sometimes soccer is just simple; just go out and play. But Panama and Mexico, Panama against Mexico in the first game, two shots on goal. They won two to one and had thirty percent possession. And the next game, four shots on target on goal, and they also won two to one with only forty percent of the possession. It's like you said that the U.S. I, I guess my biggest fear going into this game is turnovers right before you cross the line into Panama's half. And, and that's the thing I worry about, you know, with Parkhurst, uh, you know, maybe pushing up too high, or Goodson pushing up too high. You know, you got to keep them back a little bit more. But I think with Kyle Beckerman there playing as a true six and the way he's been playing this whole tournament long, I think the U.S., like you said also, I think they should be fine going forward in this game. Well, Ivis, the biggest news going into this game will be the absence of Jurgen Klinsmann on the U.S. men's national team sideline. He's not allowed to, to even be anywhere in the locker room before the game. I hope that he parties with the American Outlaws like people see him at the tailgate. He marches in and is hanging out and has a good seat. But regardless of my fantasy, because I just think it'd be cool to see it, is this the right decision by CONCACAF to suspend or, or keep or uphold the decision by the referee to not allow Jurgen to be with the U.S. men's national team. Come on. What kind of question is that? Of course it's not. <laughs> this is a terrible decision. I mean, that referee totally botched that game. And you know what? It's a, Klinsman, does, I mean, Klinsman does have to take some ownership in the fact that, you know what? Yes, he bounced the ball. He was frustrated. But, you know, if you're CONCACAF and you have this process built into your bylaws, into your Gold Cup bylaws, and you're giving yourself the freedom to, to be able to correct the mistake or to look at a situation and say, you know what, in, in the best interest of the, of the spirit of the competition, is it suit us to leave him out, to leave the coach of a team in the final out of the mm-hmm. tournament? Uh, and, and that's the question. But at, at the end of the day, they just reverted to FIFA, the FIFA laws, uh, the FIFA rules. So, uh, you know, they have this all written in for, these tor- for this tournament. CONCACAF does for their own competitions that they can do what they want. They can have their own panel. And then it's, it's like they just pass the buck. It's like they're like, you know what, we're just going to go ahead in this case and defer to what FIFA normally does, which is, you know, they have it's to little, sit. They have the server one match ban. So it's a little. That's a little weak. It's very weak. And you know what? Here's the thing, right? Is this going to matter that Klinsman's not on the bench? 
Honestly, not really, because he's already put the work in on this team. It's his squad. He's going to pick the starting lineup. And, you know, could it affect it uh, during the match as far as, uh, you know, substitution there? there? It could it could have some small effect. But you know what? The U.S. team's going to be out there that he he selects. And I'm sure he's going to give a little cheat sheet to Martin Vasquez. Like, you know, this, these are the subs that, like, that, you know, we should look to make if we're in this situation or in that situation. Uh, and, and and I think that we're fine, right? So it, it's not even that. It's not even like, oh, woe is woe is the U.S. that they're they're, they're going to be shorthanded and now. They're <laughs> probably going to lose because your Clinton's not there. No, that's not it at all. It's just a general principle of of of, of Concacaf just turning uh, turning the situation to a bit of, a, of of a fiasco. I mean, that referee was awful. He had an absolute stinker, and to have him have Concacaf uphold that ruling. On, on uh, ejecting Klinsman. It's just, I, I don't know. I thought it was a bit of a joke, a bit of a farce. Um, so, but, you know, nothing you, nothing you can do about it now. Klinsman will, you know, I don't know about Klinsman going to join the American Outlaws because, you know what, if he is planning to kind of send messages during the game, and you know what, there's no reason he can't, right? I mean, I know it's it, you're not supposed to, but let's be honest, how many coaches that have been suspended haven't figured out a way to get messages to their bench, right? How many? I mean, I gotta believe a good majority of them figure out a way to do it. So if 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 Clinton's gonna be doing that, I don't think he's gonna want to be sitting in the AO section, uh, in between texts to the bench or, or more old messages. No, did you think like him and Martin Vasquez before the game like are gonna do like baseball terms? You know, like you know, if you touch the shoulder, that means do this. If you do the hand gesture across the belt, that means forget what I, I honestly, said. I don't think it's going to be like. I think it's gonna, you know <laughs> what? I think I think Klinsman's going to give him a cheat sheet and say, "Look, okay, we're down a goal. You know, look at this sub, or you know, of the midfielders. You know, I don't think he's going. You know, I don't think it's going to be a case of, of Vasquez having pretty much carte blanche to do what he wants. You know, what no. I mean, I think Klinsman's going to set out some parameters for him. So. Is that is all that going to matter? I don't really think it is, man. I think this U.S. team is what it is. It's it's you know played all these games by now. They're going to be all right. You yeah. know what? The the big you know who the biggest losers are 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 people who watch the game because they're not going to see Jurgen Klinsmann's sideline antics. They're not going to see that or, or his outfit or his outfit. Yeah. So I mean, hopefully the cameras find him somewhere. <laughs> oh, they he's, will. You're right. I mean, I don't think he's going to bang a drum in the AO section, though, personally. I just don't see that being his style. But Could you imagine? Oh, my God. That, I mean, yeah, it would be pretty epic if it happened, but I don't think it happens. I, um, I, I see Martin Vasquez having, like, just a 5% influence on this game. I mean, it will be Jurgen's team, Jurgen's philosophy, same thing. I mean, like you said, the only thing that will be different is Martin will maybe tell something to someone differently. And it's not like he's, like, this obscure guy coming out of left field anyways. I mean, the players know him. He's been with Jurgen for a while. So it's not going to, like you said, nothing's going to change. We're going to see the same setup, the same thing, same everything else. Right. I mean, yeah, again, it's not a huge deal uh, from an impact standpoint, but it's just a little disappointing that CONCACAF just kind of botched, seemed to botch something that they actually, in this case, could have cleaned up. Well, it's, uh, it's been a very good couple of days for the Americans abroad. Uh, Terrence Boyd, who had an amazing season last year. If it wasn't for Josie Altidore, we would have been talking about the season that Terrence Boyd had for Rapid Vienna. But today he scored two goals uh, in, a, in a preseason cup, I believe, and it's good for him to be, just be starting off on the right foot. No, absolutely. I mean, this is a big year for, for Boyd, uh, you know, coming off of last season. And what's interesting is, I mean, as good a year as he had when you talk about, uh, you know, his first full pro season, 
he spent he spends it uh, with Rapid Vienna. He starts regularly. He scores a ton of goals in his first full season as a starter uh, and as a regular uh, for a first team. And as good as that, as good as his numbers were, he didn't exactly end the year uh, being considered the man there, right? I mean, they had they had a coaching change there, and I don't know if the new coach necessarily kind of bought into his his standing there. So basically, I mean, Boyd goes into this preseason really having to prove something, really having to still prove himself even after the big year he had. And I had, a, you know, I, I had a, a good chance this summer to have you know, some pretty good conversations with him about uh, his situation. And, 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 you know, he totally gets it. You know, he totally understands that, you know, he still has to prove himself. He still has to, even after the big year he had, you know, the, things are always changing. You have people in new positions. He's going to have to impress all over again. And I know some people looked at those numbers and said, okay, time for him to go to another league. I think he'll stay. I think he give him another year, right? I think if he has another monster year for Rapid Vienna, I think absolutely come next summer, he's someone who is going to be looking at, uh, you know, transfer possibilities. Uh, and I'd say, if anything, you know, with, with uh, the race for forward spots on that World Cup team, I mean, I still think, he will be on that World Cup team uh, eventually, but you know, he's got to know the competition is, is, is getting stronger and stronger. And uh, that, that on top of everything else, makes it an absolutely huge year for him with Robert Vienna. Uh, both of his goals were headers. I highly suggest everyone watch, but his, both of his goals were nice in there. Uh, Klimt Dempsey and Tonump destroyed powerhouse South China 6-0. to I mean, South China, what a team for Tonham to beat in the preseason. All jokes aside, like I said about Josie Atador, one is the preseason. We don't need to get excited about certain things here and there. But for certain guys, it's good to see them playing. And if they're scoring goals and picking up assists, that makes it even better. Well, listen, anytime you can beat South China by that margin, you're doing pretty well. I mean, look, if you beat North China like that, no one really bats on that. But when you beat South China like that, <laughs> then progress is made. I am totally kidding. I Dude, imagine their odds. I guarantee their odds increased, increased dramatically after that victory to win the EPL this season. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. <laughs> but listen, yeah, I mean, you know, it, 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 these games don't really matter much. But it's good just to see the, progr- the, the progress and, uh, and see Dempsey uh, enjoying a preseason. And that's the thing people kind of just forget is that he did not – Get to have a preseason with Tottenham last year, and that may, and that's big, you know. That, uh-huh. pre, a preseason with a new team is huge because you get to know your teammates, you get to learn, you know, your co- your new coach and his system, and, yeah. and 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 you get to kind of just settle in and adjust to your your, your new club situation. And he didn't he didn't get that last year. I mean, think about that. Last summer, he spent some time, uh, some portion of his summer, uh, being forced to train on his own because the situation at Fulham had become so bad. That you know he he was kind of he was persona non grata there and he wanted to leave and they didn't want to sell him whatever so it, was, it got pretty ugly right so he didn't get to train he wasn't training so he had to jump once he did do the deal once he did sign the deal with Tottenham he had to hit the ground running and get thrown in and didn't have the preseason and and kind of play catch up so I think this year could be could be the you know where you see that. Uh, really settling in season for Clint Dempsey because I I still think he had a pretty good season considering uh, everything that went in the last season. I thought he still I thought he still was a solid contributor for them. I and I actually and I absolutely think he can have a better year this year. I agree. Actually, Dempsey also had a <clears throat> he also contributed on the first goal 
uh, very nice backward heel pass. I believe that was him. I'm watching like I watched the highlights and it's really grainy, but I I, I made out the the you know the per- well it was you know it was it wasn't the greatest footage. You know I could tell, you know you can tell the way who certain guys are by the way they run, they carry themselves on the field. So I believe he had a very nice backward heel pass in there. Uh, in Italy, uh, Michael Bradley scored the game winning goal for Roma in a preseason victory over uh, Eris. It's a Greek side. I mean, we'll see Michael Bradley in action uh, later next week. You'll be out there for the All-Star game. But, you know, Michael Bradley and Roma, I mean, hopefully they can have a very good year this year and qualify for at least one of the European competitions. Well, there's it, some interesting goings on at Roma when you talk about uh, they, them uh, potentially or possibly selling Danielle De Rossi. I know that that rumor went around last year and it's back this summer. Uh, and the question is, does he stay? Does he go? Uh, Francesco Totti wants him to stay, and obviously Totti's a legend there. Um, but, you know, it, right now, you know, it, he hasn't been sold yet. Uh, but they, they've already proceeded to kind of try to re, uh, bolster the midfield. Uh, and, and, and you have to ask yourself, where does this leave uh, Michael Bradley? And I, I think, i tell you what, he settled in last year, mm-hmm. and I thought he had a pretty solid first year. Say what you want. I mean, for him to go in in his first season and play – uh, a regular role there is huge, right? I mean, it, I mean, it's not. I mean, when you're talking about when you're talking about American players to play key roles on top top end Serie A teams, it just hasn't happened before. You know, I mean, you had Alexi Lalas obviously who was uh, played for Padova. Uh, you, you know, if you want to, if you do or don't want to count Gi- Giuseppe Rossi uh, with you no, know, cannot the whole count thing. Him. No, I mean, listen, he's American. I don't care what anyone says. He's <laughs> Um, but still, he, the point is, he you know he hasn't necessarily played with the biggest clubs uh, in Serie A. So although now you know the, the Fiorentina, Fiorentina team he's on now is going to be pretty, it's going to be pretty good this year. But the point is, Mike for what Michael Bradley did, I don't I don't think he got enough credit for that for making that transition uh, and jumping in and, and becoming a regular and getting. I mean, I don't know how many. I would love to know how many people honestly, genuinely thought. He would get the number of minutes that he got last year. So it's, I mean, he had to impress, right? I mean, he had to impress. So I, I think even with the competition increasing uh, at Roma and, and whether or not they keep De Rossi, I think, I think Bradley's going to be right there. Well, Ivis, that wraps up the show today. For the first time ever, we did an express show, which you know that makes me incredibly happy. I'm sure there's people saying, Where's MLS? Ivis and I will be back on Sunday night. We'll do a show after the Gold Cup. Uh, championship game on Sunday afternoon, day, whatever time it is for it, for whenever you watch the game. But I was not be back again Sunday. So on Monday morning, we'll break down all the MLS action. There's, I mean, I hope everyone watched the games today, especially on Saturday. So many late goals. But I was not will break down all the MLS action. We'll break down the Gold Cup and we'll have a show Monday morning. But an express show, Ivis. Uh, I, I thought we did pretty good today for the express show. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just want to make you know, and sh- <laughs> let everyone know we're not, you know, we're not dropping MLS. That'll never happen. We were, we, we definitely uh, that's our wheelhouse, and we know that's that's what you know our our readers and our listeners want to listen to. Uh, but obviously, the Gold Cup, the, we wanted to throw uh, put the, put a show together to focus on the Gold Cup because, and I know a lot of U.S. fans are going to spend a, a large part of Sunday uh, thinking about the final getting ready for the final, getting ready to watch it on TV. So we wanted to give you guys a show to just kind of get, help help give you a little bit of a primer for that final. We will be back on Monday with, with a, you know, knock on wood, with a new show. 
Uh, and back to our usual format, we'll have the Q&A, we'll have the MLS uh, breakdowns and much more. So uh, definitely stay tuned to that. And, uh, and as always, Sunday we will have uh, extensive coverage of the Gold Cup final. I will be there. I will be at Soldier Field uh, taking in all the action. So be sure to follow our coverage and our live commentary during the match, whether you know, you're watching it you know, on your computer, you know, wherever you're watching the game, you have your computer with you make sure you join our chat as well because we will have uh, all kinds of uh uh little fun stuff in there so you know as always if you get a chance you definitely want to check us out actually i'll be driving back from san diego so i'll have the game dvr'd a little bit so i'll probably be 30 minutes behind so follow me on twitter if you want my reaction 30 minutes after whatever's supposed to happen that that could be interesting (laughs) (laughs) uh not that yeah everyone's like yawn next uh well i was that wraps up the show. You're exhausted. You need to go to bed because you got a flight to Chicago in the morning. So you need to. I, I, I literally have not opened my eyes for 30 minutes. I'm just, I'm sitting here with my eyes closed, just, uh, just doing the show, laying down. It's amazing. How are you? It's amazing that you're able to do it with your eyes closed. I need to be have my eyes open. Nah, it's all, it's all, you know, it's all in the brain, man. It's all in the brain. It's all there. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Well, have a safe flight to Chicago, man. Thank you. And- <laughs> I'll, I'll be safe driving back home to Arizona. Don't you worry. Oh, Everyone else. Oh, man. Ev- ev- you, know, you can't drive. Let's be honest. Oh, I'm not driving. My dad's driving. He drives like, oh, a, f- he drives right, like, well, he drives like a freaking grandma, dude. It's frustrating. Like, oh, it, the speed limit's no, 75. Yeah. I'm like, push 85. He's like, my car can't go anywhere. Why are you dissing our older fans, dude? No, I'm dissing my dad. Stop it. Stop it. It's also a little ageist. It's a little ageist by you. Oh, my. See, no, you can't say crap like this because you say stuff like this and everyone's going to and jump in the comments and go, yeah, Garrett hates old people, blah, blah, blah. Hashtag works for RSL. Show's done. You you need to get some sleep. Have a safe trip to Chicago. Everyone else, if you're going to Chicago, have a safe trip. Enjoy the game. Ivis and I will be back again on Monday morning with another show. For extended coverage, go to the website, soccerbyivis.net. And as always, Ivis and I appreciate every comment, every review on iTunes, and all the support that you give us. This is the SBI Show. No hate.